0: Welcome to Biohacking with Brittany, a podcast focused on holistic health, nutrition, biohacking, and more. I'm your host, Brittany Ford, registered holistic nutritionist and self-proclaimed biohacker. During the last 10 years, I've focused on healing my gut and hormonal issues through lifestyle changes, nutrition, and of course, biohacks. And now I teach others to do the same. I'm so excited you're joining me today. So let's dive right in. Great. So I am so excited for today's episode. I have John Warner on the podcast with me from Swolistic Living, which I was just telling him how much I love the name of that business. Um,
1: What's up, guys? How are you?
0: So we met on social media, as you do. And Uh, I think through like TikTok, it actually might've been first and then Instagram. Um, But I love what John does because he really focuses on fitness and bodybuilding and exercise. And I've learned so much from his posts because they're so informative. And as everyone knows, fitness is definitely not my area of expertise. So the way that he explains things is just so clear cut and really motivating. So I'm so excited to have you on the show.
1: I really appreciate the intro and I'm excited to be on the show. Thank yeah, you very no much, worries. Brittany.
0: So I would love to start with your personal health journey before we get into swellistic living. And kind of like cool. what got you started and how did you get to where you are today?
1: Okay. So I was always into fitness and you know, I probably started lifting. My first introduction to formal weightlifting was Going into freshman year of high school, just like summer football, weightlifting kind of camps at my high school, and it was you know very rudimentary discussion. It, it, back then, it was pre workout, protein shakes, maxing out. It was it, it was it was stupid stuff that I was doing, and you know, but I still liked it and I did it while throughout high school and all that. And when I when I got to college, my sophomore year of college, I had a seizure, and after that seizure, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease, and I spent the next three years, kind of completely turning my life around, complete 180. I started studying neuroscience, started really delving into physiology, biology, biohacking, really kind of reinvigorating my passion for weightlifting and just overall living as fulfilling and healthy as life, uh, fulfilling and healthy as a life as I possibly can. So right now I'm teaching people. I have online clients personal in-person clients on personal training and I'm a holistic health coach and I've been starting up this this holistic living podcast like Brittany was talking about which is how we got in touch but that's it in a nutshell yeah
0: (laughs) so I would love for you to dive a bit deeper into Lyme disease for everybody who's listening who doesn't necessarily know what that is or how it happens could you just kind of explain it a bit more
1: sure so Lyme disease is one of the the greatest mysteries of mainstream medicine today. Uh, it's it's really common on the East Coast, so I, I'm not I'm not sure where a lot of your listeners are from, but on the East Coast of the United States, uh, it originated in a Lyme, Connecticut. So it's a a bacteria, it's a spirochete bacteria, uh, and there's a lot of theories about how it came came to be, but it spread around to a bunch of different states on the East Coast, and it you get infected via a tick bite, so. The typical standard presentation, where you might get Lyme disease, would be you get a tick bite and then you get a bullseye rash, and uh, you, you typically see like someone complaining of like a, like a achy shoulder or joint pain, something like that. But really, that's only like 30% of cases, and the symptoms range from all sorts of stuff. So for me, God knows when I had Lyme because I've always been out, an outdoors kind of guy. I was in Boy Scouts when I was a kid, Cub Scouts for as long as I can remember. And I was camping and, you know, spending a lot of time in the woods when I was younger. So I could have been bit by a tick whenever, and I could have had a bullseye rash and just not noticed it, or I could not have had it, but I was always pretty healthy. And the symptoms that may or may not have been, you know, Lyme disease behind the scenes that I was suffering, you know, when I had it as a kid, when it was undetected was I? I herniated a disc in my back in high school, which is something that you don't see very often. Period. You know, if anything, it's in older people. Uh, I, I herniated a disc and I tore my labrum. And like I had bad form, but like it wasn't that bad. Like it really, it shouldn't have been. I shouldn't have had to deal with that in high school. Uh, and then when I when I slipped up in college a little bit, as people tend to do in college, you know, I started to to kind of party a little bit more, not take my health as seriously, wasn't sleeping as much. I was taking Adderall, uh, which I was prescribed, and uh, it wasn't a good idea for sure for me. Uh, then that seizure came, and I found out officially that I had Lyme, but I, I don't know when I got it. So it's it's a complicated yeah. thing for sure.
0: I think what's interesting is um, I've heard of Lyme before, but it really <laughs> – it really became more mainstream, I think, when uh, Justin Bieber came out about having it, which is like, I know you probably, yeah. like, I don't know how you feel about that, but.
1: I was actually yeah. pretty happy about that. Yeah.
0: And I think it's awesome when, uh, like, people like that who have such big influence are open about these types of health issues because it really, like, takes the stigma away from them. Um, so, yeah.
1: Yeah, Justin Bieber, uh, I watched a video of him visiting with Dr. Mm-hmm. Daniel Amen. Uh, and he's a, he's a really like amazing, amazing psychiatrist who is on the forefront of some of the alternative, uh, kind of medical imaging. He, he does this thing called a spec scan, an Eamon spec scan. And I, I watched this video of Justin Bieber getting his brain scanned and, uh, uh, I saw his brain scan. I was thinking, and I had the same exact procedure done to me. And the initial doctor who had diagnosed me with Lyme disease was trained as kind of Daniel Heyman's right-hand man or right-hand woman in, in this case. Uh, so at, it, absolutely insane to see that kind of go full mm-hmm. circle and just, just to see how much of an impact these two doctors are making in and not just my life, but the lives of right. so many people.
0: So is Lyme disease, like if you have it, do you have it for the rest of your life type of idea? Uh,
1: d- I, the honest answer to that question is, I don't know. And I don't think okay. anybody really knows. Um, I think, and my doctor thinks that he's completely eliminated all spirochete bacteria from my body. So I no longer have Lyme disease, Mm -hmm. according to him. But the testing that he's doing uh, is uh, that, I I heard you mention this testing on the previous podcast here, is that live blood cell analysis Mm -hmm. and some other non-FDA approved testing. So it's not like diagnostic enough to say that I straight up no longer have Lyme disease. Yeah, of
0: course. And how are your symptoms right now with it?
1: Right now... I feel awesome right now. So my main symptoms after my seizure were I had pretty crippling insomnia, anxiety, uh, irritability and brain fog to the point where like I was leaving things in the oven. Uh, things were so difficult for me to do. I felt like, like, you know, like just getting through the basic, you know, like I I could do nothing all day and be exhausted and feel like I spent all day working like at my worst. And now I wake up every day. I have energy. I work out. I feel awesome. I go to sleep without any medications, uh, and so I consider myself yeah. healed. Uh, yeah. I don't know by what standard. Yeah. Medicine would, but yeah, I'm doing I think well.
0: That's like I think that's awesome, and I think that's like all really that matters is that you know if your blood work is showing that it's good and you're feeling good in multiple ways, um, and for a long period of time afterwards, I think that's super important. And honestly, like that's all you can do. Um, it sounds like you've done a lot too. So in terms of like your healing process (laughs) from it, what was the most, um, transformational biohack that really helped you in this situation?
1: So when it comes to something like Lyme disease, there's only so much that you, I always say that you need to take responsibility Mm -hmm. for your health, but I don't mean that you shouldn't go to a doctor and you shouldn't, uh, seek out people that are smarter than you and know more than you in particular areas. In Lyme disease, there's no, I mean, when I first got Lyme disease, I didn't know what Lyme disease was. So clearly I was going to have to seek out professional help. And uh, I went to a plethora of what they, they call themselves Lyme literate medical physicians. So mainstream medicine doesn't think chronic Lyme disease is, is a thing. And they think you treat it with antibiotics for, you know, the typical course of z pack or whatever, or it's Doxy that they treat it with. Um, and then it's gone. And the doctors that are starting to notice that that's not the case with Lyme disease kind of broke out from mainstream medicine, you know, are are starting their own private practices and calling themselves Lyme literate medical physicians and treating this chronic Lyme. So all of them have different approaches to how to heal this disease. And after, uh, kind of going to a couple of them and trying different things, I tried I was on four different antibiotics for about a year, just absolutely destroying my gut. I tried so many things. Most of them uh, did more harm than good. But you know, throughout that time, I was fixing my diet, I was incorporating the lifestyle techniques. And and those were overall, I'm just making me more and more healthy. So that when the time did come that I found the right treatment, and the right doctor, I was able to heal. So when that happened, uh, this was about last year, uh, I was introduced to a doctor in Maryland who had Lyme disease, got fed up with uh, his mainstream practice and and how mainstream medicine was treating Lyme disease and went to Germany, paid a ton of money to heal his own Lyme disease, doing all these alternative treatments and things, came back and was like, this works so well, I have to do it to other people. So he, uh, I I went to him and I was like expecting him to sit me down and be like, all right, here's your protocol for the next six months. It's going to be a long process, but you know, in the next two or three years, you, you'll probably be symptom-free. He was like, give me two weeks. I was <laughs> like, holy shit, no way. <laughs> uh, and he said, we're going to do a couple hydrogen peroxide IVs. It's very, like, obviously a very low concentration of hydrogen peroxide. So this is what they used to use before antibiotics to kill pathogens. Um, so he did a couple of those. I didn't really feel much. And they did something called UV- blood irradiation. Uh, so he took a syringe of my blood out of my arm and he uh, put it in a little IV bag and he ran that IV bag through this contraption on on the table that was shining UV light on my blood as it passed through. And it, what this was doing was this was killing a bunch of stuff in my blood. And then he put in that blood back into me. It It's kind of like a mass vaccine. And that may raise a lot of eyebrows and it rightfully should, uh, afterwards, I think it, it really turned my immune system on high alert, maybe hypersensitive to things. And it, it, it was kind of just like a slap in the ass to my immune system. And after that, I felt terrible for like a couple of days. They call this a Herxheimer's reaction when you're detoxing from Lyme disease. And then I felt amazing afterwards. It, 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 I had a couple of residual symptoms and you know, it, that was because of mold and some other things, but uh, that was really the main thing. After that, it was like all uphill. That's it was, awesome. was mind blowing.
0: Wow. It's, it's pretty crazy how, yeah, just different treatments and different doctors are just, or, you know, healthcare practitioners can really be the answer that you're looking for. And you don't really know until you try. Right. And, and that's what, that's what makes it difficult. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see with my clients too. Some of them have done so much for their specific health concern that they have um, that they kind of get to this point where they don't know what else to do. And, and then you turn to other things, right? So you turn to IV therapy like you're talking about or um, different alternative methods that can be really helpful. So I'm, I'm so happy for you. Like I'm glad that you really were able to like pivot and make something of it and heal yourself.
1: Yeah, I really appreciated it. It was without a doubt the hardest thing I've had to do, but uh, I wouldn't be anywhere close to the man I am today or the person I am today if I hadn't gone through it for sure. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So afterwards, you like obviously you're so big into fitness and bodybuilding and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So what kind of like what was that transition? there? Uh,
1: like I said, my main symptoms were neurological and insomnia and all that. Right, so when I first had my seizure, I was thrown on a bunch of meds, uh, like antidepressants mm-hmm. to help me sleep. And, you know, that's just the standard of care. I mean, someone's got insomnia, it's better to medicate them and have them sleep than to not medicate them and have them stay awake and go crazy. And I, I still think that was a good call. Um, but the thing is, medications do all sorts of stuff, especially when you're talking like psychiatric medications, you buy one receptor, maybe they increase in concentration or start making less of this and that and start our biochemistry is really complex. And it, the hard part for me was, was once I started to get healthier, I had to peel back all these psychiatric medications that I was on and I, it was a slow process. And, uh, obviously, you know, working with my psychiatrist to put me on these medications, um, you know, I, I was peeling them back and my sleep would get bad for a day and then I'd recover and, and you know, it, eventually I got off the medications and kind of was weaning on to supplements. But during that process, there were times I got depressed because as, as you would getting off of antidepressants, uh, working out, I found so much solace in working out. I, I I really started to fall in love with it again. And like I said, I was, I was into it as a kid, but I was hurt and, and I had all these, these joint problems and, uh, I'd gone to physical therapy. I, I actually had surgery on my shoulder and, uh, with the Lyme disease, with the seizure, uh, you know, in the depression, I just was kind of feeling the crap and uh, physically, mentally, everything. And I was like, enough is enough. Uh, and I, I, I remember the moment and I, I was, that day I went to the gym, I drove to the gym and I, I still, you know, hadn't really fully committed to like, this is, this is it. I'm no longer going to be depressed. I'm kind of like going to just work my way out of this. Uh, it took me, it took me like 30 minutes into the workout to say, all right, like it's time. And I kept going to the gym every single day after that for, uh, that this was leading into last summer, uh, and got in, in insane shape last summer, uh, out of nowhere. And then kept, kept riding that train throughout this, this last school year and into where we are now. So, yeah, it, it's, fitness is awesome and fitness is there's nothing in the world that's going to make me feel right. better than working out. Right. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> and as much as I like the health stuff, it's yeah. always going to be a part of me.
0: Yeah. No, that's like where your passions lie and it, it makes sense. So what is your current fitness routine look like right now?
1: So whenever I get asked this question, my answer is always a lie because it, it changes. I don't have a routine. Like it changes every single day or every single week. Um, and this summer – uh, I'm working part time uh, just to make a little bit of money and stay with some friends and get get a tan, get 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 some functional fitness. And I'm working part time as an ocean lifeguard uh, down in Bethany oh. Beach, Delaware. And so that means that I have to do a lot of running and swimming just to be in shape for that. Because when I do work there, there's a workout in the morning that we have to do before we get in the stands. So I've been doing a lot of ocean swims, ocean runs, sprints. And when I'm in the gym strength training, uh, which is less nowadays, uh, in the winter is probably about four days a week on average. Now it's probably about two. Um, It's typically a full body workout and it's barbell movements. It's compound movements. So I'm in there. I squat, I bench, I deadlift, I shoulder press, I row. And I'm, that's how I can go to the gym for an hour and a half a week and keep muscle mass on, you know, it, it, it sounds simple and it sounds like, but it really is just like these movements are the most effective movements per calorie per second and calorie and, uh, muscle damage per second. So why not do them? You know, if we're trying to burn calories and grow yeah, muscle.
0: Absolutely. So it's so interesting. I, saw one of your posts. I don't know what I saw, but it was in the last week. It might've been on TikTok, but, um, you were talking about compound movements and I have been, I think it was literally on the way to my on the way to the gym. I saw it and I've been like looking to change what I'm doing. Um, cause I just haven't been very inspired with like my, my workouts lately. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. It, happens. it happens,
0: yeah. So, and then I was like, okay, maybe I should take it back to the basics and start doing these compound movements. And I Googled like compound movement workout plan or something like that. And I came across, I don't know if you know of this brand or business called Stronglifts, like five by five. And yeah, so they have- I don't, a,
1: I, but I, I know five. a five yeah. by so five. So they
0: have an app um, and it's literally like the five mo- movements that you just said, but you only do three So it's a workout three times a week and you do three of the compound movements on each workout. Um, and it's five sets of five reps and, and then it like tells you how to build with the weights and everything. And it's just so like, I'm loving it so much because it really takes away all of the fringe and like the crap when it comes to working out of like these very specific workouts that like just, I don't need, you know what I mean?
1: The more complicated people make things, the, the more money they yeah. can charge Yeah. Uh, for one. And, and also, um, you know, programs like this, they, they're so nice. A lot, I mean, there's high intensity interval training, the orange theory stuff, mm-hmm. the, you know, there's so many right. different ways you can train Then they all work. But what I really like about strength training is it's it's really easy to track mm-hmm. your progress. And it's also when you're, when you're consistently strength training and you're consistently doing some form of, pro, some form of progressive overload, which, which means you're adding weight yeah. or you're increasing in reps each week. You can use how well you're progressing or not progressing as a health metric. It's probably the best health metric there is. I mean, I, heart, heart rate variability, mm-hmm. great thing to track. Uh, you know, it, we, we don't have to get into that right now, but uh, other than that, the, the number one thing I pay attention to when when talking about things that I'm doing that are improving my health or not is whether or not I'm getting yeah. stronger. So it's just nice for me to have that anchor.
0: Yeah, and yeah, I'm just really enjoying it because last year for, the, for about a year, I was using the sweat app, which is like for females. So you probably haven't seen it or used it, but um, it's a lot <laughs> of like circuit training and like just so many different movements. And it just got to the point where it was like, so overwhelming and too much all the time um yeah
1: yeah i i work out with a bunch of my friends that are girls and i work out with tons of different people and i've seen all sorts of apps uh and a lot of times though like i mean there are programs out there that work great work awesome but you're definitely always going to get the most bang for your buck by just Getting back to the basics, learning the basics really well, and then exploring from there based on like what you want to do, mm-hmm. not just looking at a program and then having to spend, you know, thirty seconds in between every single one of your sets figuring out like the next ten exercises you're doing, yeah. or it, it get, getting so complicated and getting caught up in it when you could just put on some music and just relax and just go yeah, to the gym.
0: Exactly, and and that's the thing too is like I just. I want it to be effective and I want it to work, but it doesn't need to Mm -hmm. be something that I want to concentrate super hard on or not understand or have to like really think about like, it's exactly that. It's like going to the gym and feeling good about it or or doing it at home as a lot of people are working at home right now. Um, yeah.
1: With with strength training, you know, in in females in particular, a lot of them are hesitant to, they're like, I don't want to get too big or all that. Uh, if you're, if, first of all, five by five, muscle is really important. All right, muscle is really, really important. And I don't necessarily think all females need to be lifting three days a week. I, I really don't. Uh, I think a full body three days a week works for probably a lot of females. Maybe a full body two days a week would work for a lot of females, uh, as long as you're getting in the consistent movement throughout the day. Like if you're walking, mm-hmm. if you're taking uh, breaks, if you're moving all of your joints through their full range of motion, uh, if you get up in the morning, you go outside and you walk, like, and you work at a standing desk, or, or and like every now and then you do some pull ups or something, and or some squats or push ups or whatever, and and just take your joints or, or some arm swings or dance in your underwear or whatever. As long as you're moving around and you lift every occasionally, you'll be healthy. I think and. Uh, when you do lift, you just have to make sure that you show up to that lift, and you, you you're working hard. That's something that a lot of people mm-hmm. don't talk about as much because it doesn't really matter what program you're doing; it really doesn't. As long as you're consistently getting into the gym, and when you when you're there, you're putting in effort into every single rep you do, and you're thinking about the muscles you're using, and you're really trying, yeah. you're going to progress.
0: Yeah, I I think yeah, it's it's a balance for people, right? A lot of a lot of females actually over exercise and over overwork out and it's can be really harmful. Um so it's nice to like do something like a compound movement ex- like workout once once two, three times a week um and be really getting the benefit from it without having to spend like hours in the gym. Um
1: Exactly. And that's what's so great about like high yeah. intensity interval training versus banging out junk miles yeah. too, you know, like obviously efficient. Yeah. And,
0: and I definitely agree with what you're saying. Like organic movement throughout the day is something I, I try and talk to my clients a lot about because if you're sitting at your desk from nine to five, and then you're going to a gym for an hour afterwards, it doesn't make up for you not moving for eight hours. And the, the research shows no, that. Like so
1: it's not, yeah. Yeah. it's not a calorie in, calorie exactly. out thing. Like it's like movement is more than burning mm-hmm. calories. Right, you have an entire lymphatic system, which is how some of your immune cells and some some fat cells get around your body. And that is, it doesn't have a pump. Your heart pumps your circulatory system. There's no pump for your lymphatic system. It, it, it revolves around your movement. You have fascial tension patterns across your entire body. That when you go to sleep and you're in the same position for eight hours, they get tight. Your joints get tight. You have synovial fluid that's supposed to be getting into your joints and circulating things, and and it most of us are walking around in like Mm -hmm. pain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like most of us are walking around in pain all the time. And it's because we don't move enough.
0: Yeah. Tight muscles, sore joints. Absolutely. Poor posture is another one. Um, Yeah. And it's all, it all comes back to, it's like working out and fitness is such a good, uh, important part, but it's really like lifestyle. Right. So, and that's why I love mm -hmm. biohacking because it's really holistic like that. And it really, really looks at, how you're living and what you're doing and how that's impacting your body and your health.
1: Um, Yeah, for sure. In the end, we're not trying to make the best nutrition routine possible. We're not trying to make the best strength routine possible. We're trying to live the Mm -hmm. best life we can. And keeping that perspective is very important at all times because that's really that it needs. That's what we're doing. Uh, Brittany, I have a question for you. Um, how, how have you been eating recently with with this new training program? Um, you're now? So I
0: just finished my first week of the new program, um, and I haven't really changed how I've been eating, to be honest. Um,
1: you don't need to. You don't yeah, need to change too much. So
0: I like I was intermittent fasting for so long, um, and I kind of stopped doing that in the last eight months or so for other reasons. I'm mostly hormonal. Yeah, I. Um,
1: I was just looking into, or well, I was just actually chatting with somebody about uh, intermittent fasting and with females mm-hmm. in particular. Like, uh, it, people tend to throw the the twelve to sixteen hour window out there a lot, but I think a lot of females when they do intermittent fasting should should tend to shift more towards that twelve hour window. And, and twelve hours is not that hard wow. to do, and it really should everyone should be getting twelve hours in a day. All that really means is you don't eat after dinner, and I think it's important to emphasize. The not eating after dinner. Mm. I think I used to say if you want to have your fasting, if you want to push back breakfast to to do your intermittent fasting, that's fine. I'm starting to think that's it's not fine. Um, I think it, we need to start paying a little bit more attention to our circadian biology. And there's a reason that we're highly insulinogenic in the morning. Uh, we have good insulin responses in the morning. There's a reason that food is a potent zeitgeber that tells our body that it's time to be awake. Uh, being in a fasted state can increase, you know, for me, if I'm, if I'm spending too much time in a caloric deficit or uh, like keto for long-term and training really hard, if I'm getting blood work, what's going to happen is my sex hormone binding Mm -hmm. globulin. uh, It sounds all fancy, but that's going to rise and it's going to bind my testosterone. So I have a lower level of free testosterone and, well, this is gonna make this is gonna make me weaker. For first of all, it's gonna make me uh, probably a little bit more depressed, uh, and also it's gonna make me not as uh, horny. I mean, frankly, that, that's really what's going on. And the reason for that, the evolutionary mechanism for that, is because if food is scarce, why should I be yeah. having kids? You know, why does why would that be evolutionarily in the best interest of the proliferation of our species? You know, and it you got to think there are so many. Uh, so many of my friends even that are females or males they are trying keto and if you're female maybe uh having some hormonal issues menstruation issues if you're male maybe you're just getting absolutely cut out of your mind and uh tanking your testosterone taking your, your dhea thyroid and you have no idea um <laughs> but you may never know but it, 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 you're right there's more to the story and intermittent fasting sounds sexy but like got to ask, what are your goals? You know, what what are you really trying to do?
0: Yeah. I I think it's fine if you're doing 12 to 14 hours maximum for a female. Men Mm -hmm. can obviously, because their hormones work on a 24 hour cycle, whereas ours work on typically like a 30 day cycle. Um, men can typically fast for 16 hours, 18 hours and have less negative effects. Um, but it's yeah. I was
1: saying it more so that the time mm-hmm. you use is, is, is Yeah, than totally. Than so
0: yeah. I mean if you if you start eating earlier in the morning around like seven and you stop eating around five, 6 PM, you, it's like so much better to fast that way, like into the night rather than early um, into the morning slash like by lunch. And I even see this when I like track my sleep with my aura ring. So if I have like dinner at seven and then have another meal, like something small at nine and then go to sleep at 10, my sleep is definitely, definitely affected and I can, I can literally see it. My HR, yeah, my HRV is
1: low. Oh, it's bad for me. It's yeah. like the biggest thing.
0: Yeah. My HRV is lower. My heart rate is higher. Um, I have less, I think it is less deep sleep. Um, And yeah, you just see it because your body yeah. is literally digesting that food rather than focusing exactly. on sleeping.
1: If you, if you look at my aura ring, if I, in, in a night like that, that I'd have a late, a late meal, um, my heart rate would drop to its lowest point Mm. sometimes as late as like right before I wake up, which is not good. Cause you got to think like if if I'm, if that's when I'm getting into my deepest stages of sleep, how well was I recovering from my workout? Exactly.
0: And it's the same with like drinking, right? Like alcohol is so bad every time. It's not so bad, but if you have more than it, it, honestly, yes, it is.
1: Like I'll, I'll be the bad guy. I'll say it. alcohol is not good for you. You gotta stop think- saying it's it's like good for longevity. Like social eat drinking. I the new research is starting to make me think that more than a drink a day, male or female, more than a drink like five days a week is yes. gonna start to you're gonna have negative health effects. Yeah, of
0: course. So yeah. I I typically if I have a glass of wine or two glasses of wine, I'm fine. Um, in terms of like my sleep metrics and energy for the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, anything more than that, it really will start to take an effect. Um, anything with like a lot of sugar in it, if it's like a cocktail. Yeah, definitely. No.
1: Yeah. I'll even say I've experienced the same thing. I can get away with one drink. Typically, uh, two drinks start to experience effects regardless of mm-hmm. when I time them. But, uh, I will say that the effects are much less if I have my two drinks or three drinks, maybe two or three hours mm-hmm. before bedtime, as opposed to like yeah. 30 minutes before bedtime. Yeah. Uh, pushing it forward does make yeah, a difference. Even with alcohol
0: Yeah, I'm taking a break from alcohol right now, which is hard to do in August because.
1: Didn't you just get yeah engaged? I know I did. What are you doing? <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I enjoy that. Well, yeah, we're we're having an engagement party at the end of the month, so my plan right now is I'm taking a three week break before that, and then after that, I'm going to take okay. a six week break from that party until Thanksgiving, and then take a break from Thanksgiving to Christmas. Um, so last okay. year in 2019, uh, not consecutively, but I did five months out of 2019, I went alcohol free, um, like different, wow. different ones, wow. depending on where I was in the year. And I think the longest yeah. I went in, in total was like 70 days. I did almost, I did two months back to back. Um, and wow. honestly, yeah, like I, it, it I felt amazing. And I literally like, I, I, not that I have a lot of weight to lose, lost weight without even trying was definitely more toned. And I like, it wasn't changing much else, but you know, it, it was, yeah, it was great.
1: I, when college kids DM me yeah. and they say, they ask me pretty much anything. I say the number one thing you need uh-huh. to do is stop drinking. Like I, it's, it, it's just, it's just, a, yeah. it's just true. Like it, it, if you're, if you're binge drinking. You need to stop doing that. Uh, If you're if you're drinking a little bit too much, you probably should stop doing that. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're drinking, like, you're you're probably confused about something.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But um, I'm not um, perfect either. So, like, just so everyone knows, in university and even still, well, not (laughs) university. I was bad. I used to party four nights a week, and and like that's so
1: funny. It's hard to picture. But I
0: never like blacked out. But I would drink my face off for sure. Um, but never did any other drugs, like never really dabbled in anything at that time. Um, but now I'm, I'm a lot better, like, but still like summer, like last weekend I was on a boat the whole day and I drank probably eight drinks in a day. Like it's, you know, it's,
1: it's just, do do you have any, do you have any strategies that you use when you drink like that? So
0: if you are going to be drinking in excess and obviously you're over age, because I think I have to say that on this podcast. Um, Not that I (laughs) started drinking overage. Anyway, (laughs) Um, yeah, so definitely pick your alcohol wisely. So when I drink in excess, which doesn't happen very often, I will pick things like um, nudes or I don't know what the ones are in the States, but like,
1: yeah, they're called nudes nudes? or
0: neutrals here. So it's basically like soda water flavor and vodka or...
1: That's yeah. All, yeah. That's awesome. The vodka is the, is the yeah. key. The, the the vodka drinks yeah. are way better. yeah the hard like seltzers. the gin.
0: I usually get the gin ones, but anything with no sugar in it um, per can, it's like a hundred calories, whatever it is. Um, and they're flavored, and because they're carbonated, I actually take a lot longer to drink them than I do for like, hey yalls, or anything that's like iced tea, and you know. <laughs> Yeah, they're Canadian. So, uh, do you do you have like <laughs> okay. do you have like a hey, iced y'all. tea with uh, like alcohol in it in a can?
1: Uh yeah, twisted, twisted teas. teas, but they're like yeah. really like they're yeah, they're sugary. Right, they, they're yeah, you want to stick to vodka ideally uh, for 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 us down here. Honestly, if I, if of all the v- alcohols that I've had in my entire life, if I had to pick one that I have the least amount of reaction to, it would just be a cold. Like glass of keto's vodka, and uh, it, not that I just drink cold vodka. You can obviously put it in seltzer water, make yeah. some lime or whatever, make a nice little drink. Um, but if you wanna if you want to drink, stick to things like that. Uh, gin's mm-hmm. also a great option. And as far as supplementation goes, a great strategy. I think the best strategy, uh, if you were to go ball through <laughs> the wall and try to like, I'm gonna drink, and I do not want to have a hangover at all. Money's not an object. Would be. Uh, Taking something like uh, N-acetylcysteine, alpha-lipoic acid, and Mm -hmm. glutathione maybe like two hours before drinking just to really, really like give the liver everything it needs to detoxify everything and kind of get ahead of that acetaldehyde buildup. And then while you're drinking, take some activated charcoal. Make sure that you are drinking a ton of water throughout the entire night entire like make sure every other drink have some water um and try to stop drinking an hour or two before bed and if you if you remember again take some more activated charcoal before bed uh and the next morning wake up and take that stack that liver stack again and i really like when i when i drink and it's typically me going crazy is like four drinks and it's like uh every now and then like I, it's not because I'm above drinking. It's because I have Lyme disease or I, I've been dealing with the chronic disease. And mm-hmm. at, ju- at this point, it's just, I, I spent too much time feeling shitty and I just don't, I don't yeah. like feeling bad. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but I'll, I'll do that every single time I drink and I don't get hung over. I feel yeah. fine when I drink mm-hmm. it, If anything, it's a little yeah. bit of a brain fog. The next, that's day,
0: literally but. the exact like stack that I use is, um, n cysteine, like NAC, what I call it, is the short form of it. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I'll take a few of those throughout the night before I drink, after I drink, before I go to bed, activated charcoal, exactly so, that. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: That's awesome. NEC is a glutathione mm-hmm. precursor. It does a couple mm-hmm. other things, but glutathione, if you have like a, a liposomal yeah. glutathione, if you can get that somewhere, it's like a oral paste you put in your mouth, that is yeah that's good stuff
0: and, and yeah for everyone listening like basically these supplements help break down the alcohol faster in your body and metabolize it faster so that's why it helps with hangovers is because it basically just flushes it out and boosts your system in a nutshell yeah
1: yeah yeah uh it, i mean everybody knows alcohol breaks down into poison mm-hmm. acetaldehyde, and uh it's not good so you don't want that a- any 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 kind of Stressor like that is just one more thing you're adding to the equation. You know, it, it, if you're not getting consistent mm-hmm. sleep, you know, and not having, don't have the dietary stuff dialed in, you're not training, you have the sedentary lifestyle, and then you're throwing in the drinking on top of that. It's just too much. Yeah. And you having everything else, you know, so dialed in. I mean, obviously nobody's perfect, and you have your own health issues, but for the most part, you, you're doing things, you're doing the right things. Uh, you can get away with drinking every now and then, and maybe you know everything in moderation, including moderation, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, I mean it's hard. Like I, I definitely think there's something to be said about, um, you know, going out with friends and having a drink on a patio, like you know, and and being cautious of it. Like I think it's fine. Like we said, like two or three a week in total, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that's it. I think, I think we get into the issues when it's binging, when it's a lot, when, when you're doing that Friday night, Saturday night, every single week. And that's what I had to deal with last year was when I first started moving away from alcohol, um, I had to break the habit of every Friday night having a drink that I had been doing for years, whether it was one glass of wine or whether it was going out to a bar or going to a party or whatever. Um, and that... You know, like yeah. it's, it's hard. Yeah.
1: It's, it's weird. It's, ha- Those it's hard things. to break it
0: even as a biohacker, as a nutritionist, as somebody who is like very like woke in this field.
1: When, when you, when you start to realize yeah. that your body doesn't consider the weekends, it's yeah. off days, you know, yeah. and every day is the same yeah. to your body. And you're like, ah, oh. yeah. I, I, there was a time when I was sick, you know, like I, I was sophomore year of college when I had my seizure, mm-hmm. I was kind of just thrust out of college environment. I was having a good time. I, I, when I first got to college, I joined a fraternity my first semester. I had no idea what I was. Well, I was a finance major. I had, I wanted to be an investment banker. I mean, I guess, but I not really, you know. Uh, and when I had the seizure, that's when I really was like, oh, I probably should start taking life a little bit yeah. more seriously. Uh, it's it's not, you know, I could die tomorrow. And uh, that's when I started to get into these things. And, and, and there was a time I felt like I was missing out on the college experience. Mm. And that I should be out there partying with my friends and uh, I, I, that I'm missing out. But, but, you know, these were the cards that I was dealt. And, you know, I, I'm going to play them to the best of my ability. And that's that's just the way I have to see it. And if that means that maybe I miss out on the, the last two years of college. I, I learned it was probably six months of like, this, this was part of the reason that some of this was so depressing because of the fact that it was kind of messing with my narrative of how my life mm-hmm. should have gone, you know, and, uh, and then I facilitated the strength training and all that. But it eventually I just embraced that in the end, what really matters is how we feel in this moment and doing things that are going to make me feel healthier in this moment is the best investment I can possibly be doing yeah. with my time. So, you know, I, I was totally okay with taking that sacrifice and, and embracing that weirdness for the rest of my college to, uh, you know, to be able to have this conversation mm-hmm. with you today, you know, it, and it, I think for anyone looking to take a shift in their health and, and make a transition in their life, getting rid of the alcohol is a yeah. great place to start.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I, I think that you don't have to be very hard on yourself and strict about it. I think like even just starting with a few weeks away from it and seeing how you feel um, is a great place to start. And something that I struggled with last year when I was first like really moving away from it was I was, I was talking to some doctor online. I forget who it was, but I was saying, I was like, I've, I understand how bad alcohol is now. And now if I drink, I feel bad about it and I don't know how to like mitigate this and have it be a part of a healthy lifestyle. And he basically said to me, he's like, do you think you can cut out alcohol for the rest of your life? And I was like, no, I don't think so. He's like, okay, so learn how to have it in moderation and learn how to respect it and not abuse it or not over drink Um, because it's too, it's too much to expect perfection of yourself. Like, oh, I'm never going to do this again. Like that's so much pressure and it just creates stress. Right.
1: Yeah. So that's something that I, I tend to, I tend to do that. Uh, I tend to think things in a very black and white way, mm-hmm. and it's one of my uh, one of my, my weaknesses, I'd say. And I, I've had someone who I, I look up to very much tell me that instead of thinking, you know, all or nothing mm-hmm. with, with things like that, uh, like I said, don't don't set hard limits with yourself. do right, don't don't box yourself in with rules. Uh, or self kind of constructs, beliefs, whatever you want to call them, that that make things harder for you, but develop and work on cultivating a sense of internal self trust. So he says your self trust index, right? These are not my words. I can't take credit for them. Your self trust index. Uh, Confidence is kind of a facade. This is similar to confidence, but this is not confidence. This This is real. This is, you put yourself in difficult situations. You, 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 you know, deal with adversity time and time again, and you prevail. And eventually you start to just trust that you're going to be able to deal with it. And this only happens by getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, pushing the boundaries of your comfort zone and doing things, uh, that are going to be beneficial for your growth consistently. And then if if you keep kind of grinding that edge, uh, it, doing being confident in your ability to, to have alcohol in moderation is going to seem going to seem easy, yeah. you know? It's that self-trust yeah. index that matters.
0: Yeah, and I think like with binging in general, whether it's like food or um, some sort of unhealthy habit or alcohol or something else, I think something that mm-hmm. I was thinking about a lot was why am I doing it in the first place and what am I compensating for that I might feel like lack of in other places in my life. So like, why do I feel the need to like drink so much and get drunk and like feel happier or loose or like, you know, whatever the feeling is that I'm going after, like, like what is actually going on like deep down that I am not addressing. And it's exact same with food is like, when we find comfort in these substances, there's something deeper going on that we haven't yet come to terms with.
1: Yeah. Being able to just chill and just be calm with the way things in your mind are set up like I, I, not. it would be awesome. And it, it's, it's an, it's an unachievable goal. I think, uh, you know, cause we're, we're humans, uh, and we need something to do or else life mm-hmm. would be pretty boring. And we have these systems in check, uh, that make things attractive to us like food and <laughs> they make things that take in the easy way. And those instant gratification, those, those quick dopamine hits, we're going to do them. We're never not going to be, be seeking these rewarding behaviors. It's just, uh, you know, you have to say, like, it, you can override those primitive kind of neural pathways. We, we, you have the ability to do that, and it, and it just takes mm-hmm. practice. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, I'm sure you've heard of the reptilian brain and uh, uh, the mammalian brain. So, like, the, the outer part of our brain is, is cortex, and that's, like, executive function kind of higher level thinking. And then the inner part of our brain, this is oversimplifying, but the inner part of our brain is our reptilian brain, kind of the more inward looking processes uh, and and kind of feedback loops. And the the thing about humans is that we can override these feedback loops. You can get angry and you can not yell at somebody. And you can also get a craving and not eat. And when you get a craving and not eat, a, and yes, it's a hard thing, you know, and, and discipline is a muscle for sure that gets easier when, when you, when you train it. But when you get it, when you get a craving, you don't eat, it gives you the chance to say, why did I get that mm-hmm. craving? And it, it gives you a chance for further inquiry into self. It, it, you get to explore is say, maybe I have some sort of bacterial imbalance, you know, and that, and that's a whole other <laughs> question, a whole other route you could go down that, that you yeah. otherwise couldn't, you know? So it really does start with that initial, you just got to, be willing to take that first step and, and take responsibility yeah. for your health.
0: Yeah, and I think we're seeing that in general, right? Like with the wellness movement mm-hmm. and with the biohacking movement is this like idea that the only person who actually cares about my health is me. And I'm the only person who cares the most. And it doesn't matter what doctor you have, what practitioner you have, you will always care the most about your own health. And I think a lot of people don't understand that and don't realize that because then you actually have to do something about it right
1: mm-hmm. and it it's that that they it, it, what you just said mm-hmm. is the key and it it's that that they're they're not willing to accept that people aren't willing to accept and you what i say to them or what i say to people when they say that's not true other people care you know doctors has my best interest at heart i'm like yes your doctor your doctor does but i want you like Think about how much of your time you spend thinking about, well, you're a coach. So that's not a great example. <laughs> you spend thinking about someone else who doesn't pay you's how they're doing health-wise. Yeah. You know, it's, it's such a small mm. fraction of like, it, 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 it might as well not even be existing. It's not even, it's not even worth mentioning. Like, and that's the same that everyone else thinks about you. No one cares. <laughs> you, you, you don't. There's no need to have this grandiose view that other people are thinking about you, you know. And uh, when, when you when you realize that, look, this is your experience, this is your life, and it's time to own it, uh, you're forced to make a decision. Do I want to be healthy or do I not yeah. care if I'm healthy? And that's the decision yeah. that you have to make.
0: What do you, what would you say is your number one motivation for maintaining optimal health?
1: I think it's that I know what I want out of my life. And, uh, I got, I got really clear. I got really clear on what it is I think is going on. What I think life means to me, what I think my life means to me, what I think what I want my purpose of my life to be to me, you know, and I I define that for myself. And now that I know that, you know, now that every decision I make, it's, it's real simple. You know, is this helping me achieve that? And if the answer is yes, I do it. And if it's not, I don't. And turns out being healthy and feeling as good as I possibly can makes doing what I want and, and, and getting what I want out of life so much easier. So that's why I do it. You know, it, it's a no-brainer to me wow, at this point.
0: that's so um, introspective. I think I need to do something like that and look at why or how I define life and what I want out of life and, yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it, great process. Pick your own words. Take, take your time with it. And I, I think that's by far the most beneficial thing that everyone can do Do you Mm -hmm. mind
0: sharing like what your, Uh, your insights were in a nutshell? um, You don't have to like go deep.
1: Yeah. uh, I'll, um, so it doesn't really matter. I will, I will share, I will share, but like I said, I don't think that there's an overarching, you know, meaning to life. Right. But I think that, um, you know, assigning this, this artificial meaning to my life. So it Mm -hmm. means something to me, you know, and, uh, when when you when you're doing your own, she means something to you, and the words she means something to you. But, uh, yeah, I I want to experience the fullness of this existence, embody optimal health, and inspire others to do the same. Really simple, well, but uh, you know, that's yeah. it in a nutshell.
0: Yeah, I feel like mine would be very similar. Of yeah, just wanting to lead others down a similar path in order to be healthy and. And actually healthy in multiple ways, not um, trendy healthy that <laughs> it's like <laughs> salads every day and chronic cardio like type of idea, like actually healthy. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's awesome and I think I'm, I'm really happy that you have gone through such a impressive health journey and turned your life around and you're building this business now that is really aiming to help people do the same.
1: I really appreciate that. So do you want to,
0: before we wrap up, like just explain what you do with clients um, and where people can find you and all sorts of things like that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am a personal trainer and I'm a holistic health coach and I have a variety of online programs. So if you, I I make most of my content on my Instagram at John Warner Fitness. So J-O-H-N and Warner spelled W-O-E-R-N-E-R fitness. And that's also my TikTok name, John Warner Fitness. I make a lot of stuff on there as well. Uh, but recently I started this, this Swolistic Living Podcast. And what I'm doing with the Swolistic Living Podcast is I'm trying to blend bodybuilding and the aesthetic side of fitness with biohacking, holistic health, and human optimization as a whole, so that you can attain and maintain the physique of your dreams and show up as your best self in all aspects of your life. That's the mission statement of slowistic living and my podcast. I have guests like Brittany on. We, we talked. Brittany talked her top three biohacks. <laughs> it was a great episode. And other guests like Dr. Sean Baker. I'll have uh, Renee of the Biohacker Babes podcast that I actually uh, I'll be interviewing after this. And we talk about uh, great you know strategies that they you can implement into your life today that make it you know a drastic Im- impact in your health. So. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Instagram is, is where you should find me though. DM me at John Warner fitness. I love talking to you guys oh. and, uh, that's awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I'm so happy that we got to do this and connect and really just dive deep into some, some topics. Um, yeah, yeah I will definitely awesome. put all of your links in the show notes for everybody and definitely like DM, DM him, John. He knows a lot about fitness and biohacking and I, I've learned a lot. So <laughs> I feel so like everyone me. could learn a lot. Um, yeah. And thank you so much for coming on.
1: It was my pleasure.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in today. As always, feel free to screenshot this episode and tag me if you'd like me to respond. I really hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. If you have a question about your health, my DMs are always open and I'm currently taking new clients. Thanks and see you next time.